Hello? Yeah. Yeah, what's up? On May 17th, 2018, Tyler Shears was in prison at Western Illinois Correctional Center. He was near the entrance to his cell block on a kind of payphone, talking to his girlfriend. She tells him about a class she's taking in Spanish. They talk about the show Basketball Wives. And he sings to her. And then, sort of out of nowhere, Shears tells her they are about to lock us down. Send everyone back to their cell. They finna lock us down. I love you, all right? They throwing a bit. Ah, they covered this bit 50 deep. He says they are 50 deep, by which he means guards, COs coming onto the wing. They they beating them up. They stomping this man. The caller has hung up. That spring day, while Tyler Shears was chatting and singing on the phone, he was looking through a window into a vestibule at Western Illinois Correctional Center. A blind spot, just like we've talked about before. A place with no cameras. He says he could see the guards beating an older black man. We have this tape of Shears because that day, Batman, Larry Irvin, was beaten so severely he later died. And this call would become evidence in a federal case against three guards. One guard, Willie Hedden, pleaded guilty. The other two guards, Alex Banta and Todd Scheffler, went to trial. For weeks, a jury heard testimony and saw evidence about if these men killed Irvin while they were transporting him between two buildings at the prison. And now, a jury has decided if Banta and Scheffler, two men who worked inside a prison, should now possibly be locked up in one. We are interrupting our planned episodes so we can tell you what happened in the courtroom and how people are making sense of it. It's a follow-up to the first episode of this season, all about Larry Irvin and The Blind Spot. So go back and listen to that if you haven't. From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Shannon Heffernan, and this is Motive. Episode 5, The Trial. Hey, Rob. Welcome back from Springfield. Thank you. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For the last four weeks, my editor, Rob Wildeboer, has been going to the courtroom in Springfield, Illinois, to watch the trial of Scheffler and Banta. Yeah, yeah. Well, I took the train a lot. They were charged with civil rights violations for allegedly beating Irvin to death. So, Rob, we've both been looking at this case of Larry Irvin and what happened to him for Years now, but most of what we've learned has been from prison records and from videos. And I'm curious, sitting in that courtroom and finally getting to hear from staff that were there that day, 
Did we learn anything new about the picture of what happened? Yeah. And I mean, a lot of the people you've talked to in the last few years in your reporting have talked about, have made allegations that they were beat in a vestibule leading into segregation, right? A blind spot. A blind spot. Yeah. And what came up very clearly here is that there were several other blind spots at the prison. And so what we piece together here is kind of the timeline of what happened to Irvin. Irvin was in the day room. He didn't want to go back to his cell. Guards call their lieutenant. The lieutenant comes out. He almost immediately maces Irvin and they start, they take him to the ground and then they're cuffing him up. And then that lieutenant does a code one, calls a code one, which is like officer needs assistance. And at this point, has anybody accused him of harming an officer or trying to attack any, any officer? No, it's just that he wouldn't go back to his cell, followed by the fact that he wouldn't put handcuffs on um, when they wanted to take him to SIG. And so this lieutenant calls a code one. All these officers rush onto this wing where Irvin is housed, and then they start taking him out of the wing. They pass through this foyer where there are no cameras, and the testimony was Irvin was taken to the ground. He The beating started there. And this is where Tyler Shears, that other prisoner who was on the phone, he's looking through a window into this foyer, and this is where he sees the beginning of the beating. They, they beat him up. And the Illinois State Police talked to Tyler Shears the day after the beating. 30, 40 COs just run inside the building. Then they're dragging them. Okay. And once they bought to the threshold of the door, that was where it started kicking them. Hit them. Okay. But you could see through a window then? Yes, glass windows. Into the foyer. Yeah. The guards then pick up Irvin and they're going to leave the building. But to do that, they have to go through another vestibule. And so they bring him in there and then he's down on the ground again there and they're Beating him there again. Second blind spot. Yeah, again, no cameras. They pick him up. They take him outdoors to go to the segregation unit, which is at a different part of the prison. So they're outside. They're back on camera again. And this is where you see Todd Scheffler join the escort. They finish the walk across the yard to the segregation unit. They go off camera. They go in a vestibule that leads into segregation. Witnesses say Irvin was beaten there again, although there are some discrepancies in what the witnesses testified. In any case, when they get through that vestibule and hand off Irvin to the staff working in segregation, he is severely beaten and he is in really bad shape. So three vestibules, foyer kinds of things, all blind spots. Right. Staff say beatings happened in each location. Correct. It sounds like to, to piece together this timeline that you, you now have, there were multiple staff that testified to seeing this stuff. Yes. That allows us to piece that together. A lot of guards. And as they're taking the stand, I'm curious if a picture emerged for you about how they felt about the incident, about how they reacted to the incident. Because I've read their reports. There wasn't, there wasn't anything... In them, yeah, and they got called on that. It was interesting. You know, they go on the stand, and each of them is forced to admit, you know, that they did nothing to intervene. Um, they didn't report it in their incident reports, and in fact, like all of them lied about it to the Illinois State Police as well. Um, so, like 
for example, there's a one guy, Derek Haston, who is a guard who rushes to respond to the code one. And then he testifies. He's like, I saw them starting to beat Irvin. I'm like, hey, guys, the warden is just over there. And then he says he walked away because he didn't want to be part of it. And he got in view of a camera. Uh, Another guy, Richard Rubel, he was walking with the escort to SEG and he testified on the stand that when they got to SEG, he said something to the effect of, you know, uh, I knew about incidents happening there in the vestibule of SEG. And so I turned around because I didn't want to be involved. And you are hearing from a bunch of guards that, yeah, they saw it. And, yeah, they did nothing about it. And so it's really disturbing about what that says about the culture there, right? Did healthcare staff show up? Yeah. They showed up in SAG to check him out. They applied some stair strips to his head because he had cuts on his head. So that stops the bleeding. Um, and they said, uh, let's see, this one nurse said, we looked for signs and symptoms of brain bleed. He was alert, awake, and speaking with us. Um, and then she was asked, did you check the rest of his body? No. Were you having a conversation with him? Not in full sentences. She wrote, quote, patient is in minimal distress. We know from the medical records that Irvin was, you know, had 10 ribs broken on his right side, ribs broken in multiple places on the front and the back. He's got a broken shoulder. He's got uh, a fractured sternum. He's got internal bleeding. And then the nurse wrote they they ordered ibuprofen for pain, which you and I both reported on prisons for a long time and heard it like healthcare horror stories and like people I've heard from so many prisoners like I went with this issue and all they did is gave me ibuprofen I'm like this guy has 10 broken ribs and all this other stuff and they give him some ibuprofen like what and then they leave him on a concrete floor in a cage as I'm hearing this I'm curious what's the defense's case here there are two separate defendants right Scheffler and Banta so Alex Banta's attorneys went after all these guards and said, like, look, they've all got an incentive to testify here today. They want someone convicted for this because then they won't be convicted for it. And indeed, I mean, there's plenty of blame to go around here for all these guards who who got a lick in um, and didn't report it. Um, And then for Scheffler, his attorneys focused on the fact that he joined the escort Late, right? He wasn't in that cell house where the beatings started. And so they argued, hey, that's where Irvin was hurt. Our client has nothing to do with this. And then the other thing Scheffler's attorneys focused on was uh, the inconsistency in the testimony from the other guards about exactly what Scheffler did do when they got to SIG. Like one guard said Alex Banta th- threw Irvin into the door. Another guard said Scheffler threw Irvin into the door in SEG. Another guard said um, he saw Alex Banta beating Irvin in that vestibule, but he saw Scheffler with his back to the door blocking a window. So there's, you know, so there were some inconsistencies, you know, possibly made it difficult for jurors to figure out exactly what went on there. And allows the defense to say, is this reliable? Yeah. And then Scheffler's attorneys also went at the credibility of the guards in the same way Banta's attorneys did. So there's a third guard who's accused in all of this. His name's Willie Hedden. Yeah. And he's already pleaded guilty. What did he testify to? Yeah, he testified that, you know, he was involved in the beating of Irvin. He, and he said that Scheffler kicked and stomped Irvin 
in that vestibule in SEG and that he, he participated in that as well. Throughout this trial, this is interesting. Some judges do this. They let the jurors ask questions. So at the end of every witness, the judge would say, does anyone in the jury have questions? And then they write them down on a piece of paper and send them up. And so there were like 40 questions from jurors throughout this trial for different witnesses. And, um, you know, one juror asked Hedden to explain, like, you know, why should we believe that you're a changed man? And he started he started talking about how, you know, he was at home one night feeling sorry for himself and how he wasn't going to see his kids grow up um, because he's going to face a substantial prison term. And uh, and then he realized, you know, what he he talked about, well, Irvin doesn't even have that option because of what I've done. Yeah. Ad- admitting to what he did and just weeping. And um, it seemed like a lot of people believed he was being sincere. It was it was quite powerful. And And what did he say about. About why they did it? Yeah, he struggled to articulate that and struggled just because he was weeping. Um, But yeah, he said a few things that was like, well, he said, we got into a culture of putting hands on prisoners when we took them to SEG. So did we get to hear from Banta or Scheffler at all? Yes and no. Uh, Neither of them testified. But prosecutors played video interviews that investigators had done with Banta and Scheffler on May 18, 2018. So it's the day after Irvin was beaten and the investigators are asking them questions. It's interesting because Scheffler says he doesn't know anything. But is the, the interview only goes on for like 17 minutes. The interview was very short because at that point, the investigators thought the beating had happened before Scheffler even was on the scene, right, before he had joined the escort. And so they didn't have a ton of questions for Scheffler. But it was a very different story for Banta. Today is May 18th, uh, 2018, and we're here at Western Illinois Correctional Center in Mount Sterling. And so it's Illinois State Police questioning Banta. And in the courtroom, it's being played. So Banta is facing the front of the courtroom. This is a video that they're watching. This is a video that they're playing in the courtroom. And so Banta's facing the front of the courtroom. And then there's a like a 12-foot screen on the side of the courtroom. So it's to his right. And there's just a huge version of him above, above him that the jurors are watching. It's because we are investigating um, a homicide investigation as part of Illinois law. You know, Irvin is still alive at this point because he doesn't die for five weeks, right? But they're like, given his condition, it's looking like he m- might not make it. And they're kind of friendly at the beginning, right? Just like the investigators with Prentice, um, Major Prentice from that previous episode we did, they start real friendly. You're being interviewed as a witness, okay? We don't suspect that you were involved in this person's um, uh, injuries. You know, they they try to they try to get some basic stuff, and he's he's giving them some information, including the fact that he joined the escort on the D wing. And was all the way through SEG. So you escorted him from the middle of D-Wing all the way to where? Segregation. All the way to segregation? To the, yeah. Okay. And you were actually physically escorted? So then the investigators are like, you know, Alex, we get the whole brotherhood, the correctional officer brotherhood thing and the code of silence. We get it. But like now is the time for you to say what you know. So they're still treating him like a witness 
not the suspect. But, like, now is your chance, Alex. Now I'm going to tell you right now, whatever shit happens in these walls, in-house justice, you know, you know, when you fuck with them and take away some rec time or you don't give them their sheets because one of them's being an asshole or they throw shit on you so you rough them up a little bit, I'm not going to question you on that. We all know what happens. We're not idiots. You're not an idiot. We know. And happens, the, okay? the investigator there holds up a picture of Larry Irvin injured. But this went too far, okay? A ruptured aorta, a punctured lung, broken ribs. Look at the guy's face. He's in his 60s. This shit is not supposed to happen. Do you agree? I agree. Okay. Okay, here's the problem, Alex. You mm-hmm. just literally just told us you walked with him from in the middle of D-Wing all the way to segregation. So we know where this incident occurred. So they start to drill in on him, and then they're asking Banta to name one person who's on the escort to SEG. Just give us one person, and not even like who did something wrong, just name one person who responded to the Code 1 yesterday. And he can't remember the correctional officers, he can't remember the supervisors, and you know the supervisors are the ones who wear the white shirts. So you specifically remember two white shirts helping with the incident. Lieutenant, who was it? I don't remember who it was. I didn't. I don't know even know if he helped. I just remember seeing him. No way. You don't remember the lieutenant's name now? No. Okay. Who's your lieutenant? So, so this is getting bizarre at this point. Like jurors have been watching him for 40 minutes go round and round with these investigators there. He's saying like, I was looking at my arm and looking ahead, so I don't know who else was there, which, you know, is just not credible, right? Okay. It, it, it is really hard for us to believe that, that for the two and a half years you've been working day shift that you cannot recall one guy that you were escorting with. D- does that make any sense? It does. Okay. I, mean, I can understand how you think that. I just not want to tell you, but, I mean, I get things all the time. And with my While you're in this room with us, this is your chance. Because let, let, let's face it, if he dies, that's murder. You understand that, right? And here's the thing, Alex. Maybe, maybe Rob and I have this all wrong. That's what I'm actually starting to wonder. And this is, and I'm, I'm a little worried now because if we have this all wrong, and we've been talking to you about this, and the reason you're so reluctant to tell us anything is because you actually did it. You know what? Let's go ahead and read the Miranda rights right now. Yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, this took a completely different turn. So the jury had been watching this video for an hour and 17 minutes when they say, okay, let's read him his Miranda rights, which is what they said right there. And then they read him his Miranda rights, make him sign some forms that he's heard his rights and understands them. And then they go at him some more. And then there's this really surreal moment in the courtroom because they start talking to Banta about what happens when jurors see this video. You were one of them. And guess what? When this goes to court for Agbat, murder. There's going to be a shitload of inmates and a shitload of staff that are testifying against you. This video, down for it. this paperwork will be presented. Their statements will be presented. They will testify. The CEO Banta was there. CEO Banta struck him in the face or maybe you need, I don't know, because you're lying and we're not going to get the truth out of you. But guess what? That day is going to come. And maybe one day in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, you're going to look back on this day when you were in that chair and said, I should have fucking told the truth. 
or you're going to think of what you could have did different. But I feel like we've exhausted all the chances and opportunities we can give you tonight. So This is your last chance, Alex, to tell us what happened, to tell us what you know. You don't get another chance, and we see you again. You may not be walking out that door without us. Nothing happened in my bed. Okay, that's, that's the last thing on this recording. The time is 10.33 p.m., and that'll end the interview. So Larry Irvin's son, Larry Pipion, was watching all this unfold in the courtroom, which I can imagine was difficult. What was his reaction to all of it? Yeah, he was there for, I think, every single day of the trial. And uh, it was interesting because where he was sitting, he was actually the person who was closest to the witnesses. So when these guards are there talking about beating his dad to death, he is the person who is closest to them. And so I talked to him several times throughout the trial. And uh, there was one day at the end of the week, he was headed back to the Chicago area. So I hitched a ride with him, and uh, we really got a chance to talk then. Are we taking the 55? Not um, 72. Yeah, that's the 72, you know, runs to I-57. Oh, yeah, to Homewood. We talked a lot about, you know, the trial so far, the witnesses we'd heard. And, you know, we watched watched, um, Banta's interview today with the ISP. I just couldn't believe how he just, you know, steady kept no lying. And Pippian told me, you know, he knew a bunch of them were lying. I was surprised by the reason he said he knew they were lying. Yeah, even even the guards that testified, you know, they still wasn't being 100% truthful. Why? What kinds of things did a guard say that you're like, eh? Well, you know, you want, you want me to be totally honest? Would it shock you to tell you that I've been there before? To where, Western? Yes. I used to be an inmate at Western. No, I didn't tell none of the prosecutors that, but yeah, from um, 96 to 99, I was there. And I was, actually, I was in the same housing unit that my dad was. Ironic, that may sound. And from me being there, I, I, I know that they're lying and, and whatever. And when they got the phone, you know, recordings from um, Tyler Shears and how you could hear the officers saying, you know, get the F back. They was talking to the guys that was on the wing to get away from the front because they didn't want them to see what was going on. That's what that get the fuck back was. So you've crossed that threshold yeah. hundreds of times. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's pretty much changed about the place, you know. There's a lot of anger, a lot of twisted things going through my mind, but, you know. You know, of course I'm wishing I could do the same thing to them that they did to my dad, you know. Uh, maybe quiet, you know, my, my demeanor, you know, and character, you know. It's pleasant, but, hey, one thing about me, I believe in eye for eye, you know. Five weeks after opening statements, the jury came back with the decision. Check, check. Okay. 
Well, yeah, we got a verdict, you know. That's after the break. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Check, check. Okay. Well, we got a verdict, you know. So after a weeks-long trial... The jury deliberates pretty quickly and comes back with a verdict. What was that verdict? The jury could not agree on the charges against Todd Scheffler. They did convict Alex Banta of five charges, uh, conspiracy to deprive Larry Irvin of civil rights, deprivation of civil rights, conspiracy to engage in misleading conduct, falsifying a document, and obstruction of justice. So not murder charges, but these are very serious charges with serious time attached. In terms of Todd Scheffler, while they couldn't agree, it's not like that's a pass for Todd Scheffler. Nine jurors were voting for guilt. Three jurors were voting for not guilty, and they just couldn't agree. So some really serious convictions for Alex Banta and a hung jury on Todd Scheffler. Correct. So after... The verdict was announced. I went outside uh, and I caught up with Larry Pippian and his wife, Tosca. Of course, it's not the verdict that we wanted. You know, I don't see how they could find one defendant guilty and not the other one. You know, I, I don't I'm, I'm not satisfied with the verdict. I think that Shefflin needs to be going in custody right along with Banner. And that's what needs to happen. As I'm outside the main door of the courthouse talking to Larry and Tosca, I see one of the jurors go out. So I go after her. Excuse me, ma'am. My name's Rob. I'm a reporter with WBEZ. It's the public radio station in Chicago. What, uh, what stuck out to you? What, what, was, what did you think were some of the things that were decisive for you? I, I really don't want to talk about it. Okay. If you don't mind. No, no, no. So we were standing at the light, and she had to wait for the light. So I kept kind of asking a, a couple of questions and trying to, you know, draw her out a little bit. A lot. Um, I'm still for, kind of angry, so, you know, I'm sorry. If it had been my husband or my father that had died, I'd be really pissed, too. Had you ever thought of prisons much before this? Not a lot. And as as I talked to her, she was both hurt and angry. She was hurt, I think, for Larry Irvin. She also seemed angry, and I think she seemed angry about what she'd seen the last four weeks in the testimony. She'd gotten an inside look at our prison system. I think everyone that was involved at all should be gone, and we should have new personnel. I I don't see anything else helping it. It's just, it sucks. I don't think anybody tries to fix anything. I think they try to hide things instead of trying to fix things. I think it all needs to be uprooted and redone. What would you say to the head of the Department of Corrections and the governor about corrections having sat through this trial? I'd say get your shit together. 
because it's fallen completely apart. So the jury found Banta guilty. He's likely going to face a pretty serious sentence. But the jury was hung on Scheffler. Talking to jurors, did you get a sense of why they weren't able to reach a decision on Todd Scheffler? A couple of the jurors told me that the split was nine to three. Nine people wanted to convict Scheffler and three did not want to convict Scheffler. And remember, there was some, um, you know, discrepancy in the way people talked about Scheffler's uh, role going into the segregation unit. Did he throw Irvin into the door? Did Banta throw Irvin into the door? Who was standing where? There were some discrepancies in the testimony, right? I talked to one juror, Kevin Sullivan, and he was really frustrated that it was hard to convince the other, that, that they couldn't convince the other jurors. In my mind, it was slam dunk. We could have been out of there in honestly 15 minutes. Uh, there were, he, he was the lieutenant. He had the responsibility to stop it. If he didn't kick anybody, if he didn't punch anybody, if he didn't do anything other than stand in front of the door and block the view of whoever in SEG and let them do it, he's still as, as guilty as they are. And it, it's frustrating to me that we could not get the other three people to see that. That really seems to bother you. I see you even tearing yeah. up as you talk about it. Why is that so bothersome? Why is that so important to you? Well, because the guy died. I mean, the guy died, and and it was on his watch, in my opinion. So it sounds like it's an issue of justice for you. You want yeah. justice for... For Larry Irvin. So did you see Scheffler or Banta after the verdict? Yeah, Scheffler was outside when I was talking with Larry and Tosca. He passed by on the sidewalk with his family. Um, He did not want to talk. Banta, because the guilty verdict, you know, just a couple minutes after the verdict, he and his sister and mother were walking in the lobby of the court building and they were going to get a phone you have to you can't bring your phone in the building so there's like a little lock locker area and they were going in there to go get a cell phone you know presumably to share the news with someone and banta was f- walking with his sister and mom and they were as they were going in there the US marshals were like no no you you have to you have to stay in here you can't you can't go there which was probably one of the first instructions he's gotten and you know it was a odd moment because obviously he's been giving instructions to people who are in custody for a long time, and all of a sudden it was him. He went from being a guard to a prisoner in that moment. Yeah. So what happens next? Yeah, so Banta is in custody. Um, He's obviously going to face sentencing and could be a very, very lengthy sentence. The charges had potential life sentences. Scheffler is going to be retried. The U.S. Attorney's Office in the Central District of Illinois says it intends to do that. It would be a slimmed down trial because now you don't have Banta as a defendant. And and what about those guards that, that took the stand and, and said that they had lied to state police, that said they had turned the other way? Do we have any sense what's going to happen to them? 
Well, the Department of Corrections wouldn't tell me what the process or procedures they're going to use. However, there was an investigator from the Department of Corrections who was in the overflow courtroom for the entire trial and taking copious notes. So I would imagine there will be ramifications for employment. Um, But I've gotten employment information for a number of the guards here involved, and they're still employed. Some have even gotten promotions since May 17, 2018. Thank you, Rob. Thanks, Shannon. Hey, Roger. Oh, hi. Sure. Hey. Um, Roger Latimer called me on the phone just minutes after he heard the news about the verdict. Latimer is a man you heard from in the first episode of this season. The one who says he was also beaten in a blind spot. The one who went to the hospital with broken ribs and guards had stopped the nurse from taking pictures. The one who tried to ring the alarm bells about the blind spot before Irvin died. When the verdict came out, his friend called him and told him what happened. Okay, because I'd heard that there were the cases going on, but I didn't think that I wanted to read it unless there was Mm -hmm. somebody there for support because I was going to be, I thought it would be very upsetting. Less than a year before Irvin died, Latimer said Banta had beaten him too. And now he'd been found guilty. So when you heard the news that Banta was convicted, what did you, what did you feel like? What was going through your mind? Well, um, for one, I'm, I, I, was, I, I was relieved for some reasons. It's not that I actually want Banta to suffer, but my concern is that if, if Banta got away with this, that it would be a green light that, hey, it's okay to beat on prisoners and whatever. And so I, not so much as one case, but my biggest thing is, is, is the, the, what, a, what a statement that would have been. This could just continue to go on like it, like it had been going on in, in Sidewestern. If Banta had been found not guilty, Latimer said it would have been hard for him. Another denial of what he'd been trying to bring attention to. And so, of course, it makes sense that he says there was some relief in the news. But at the same time, Latimer told me he did not want to see Banta go to prison. I don't really wish prison on anyone. I really don't. I'm not a hateful person, but I, 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 it, it, I, I was so concerned that this would happen to other people. And, and I, it's not... Um, Why wouldn't you wish that on him? Why would you not wish prison? Because on I've gone through it. I, 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 I see how bad it is to be in that prison. The, the prison doesn't, it doesn't really reform people. It's just, it's, 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 it's an evil system. And I don't wish it on anyone. It, the question is, is, it's an interesting moral dilemma. If, you, if people could get away with, with beating on people, would everybody do it? I mean, that's a scary thing to think about. In the case of Banty, yes, he would. There are people we talked to about the trial, like Irvin's son, who wanted to see Banta in prison, to see him punished. And then there's Latimer, who's more conflicted. You can hear him wrestling with where to land. Can a prison sentence fix a prison problem? I can empathize with both those responses. But pretty much everyone we spoke to had one thing almost universally in common. They said, Banta is one guy. 
What about all the others? The officers who turned away? The healthcare workers who left Irvin on the floor in segregation? How do we fix that? What's to be done? To try and understand a little better how we got here, to just get one more tiny piece of the picture. Next week, we will go back 40 years to the 1980s and see how Western Illinois Correctional Center got built in the first place. I ran as a law and order candidate, which means if you're a law and order candidate, you're going to put crooks in jail. And if you're doing that, you've got to build the prisons to hold them. Motive is a production of WBEZ Chicago. I'm Shannon Heffernan. Jesse Dukes is our producer. Marie Mendoza is our associate producer. Our editor and, this week, our reporter, is Rob Wildevoort. Our executive producer is Kevin Dawson. Tracy Brown is our chief content officer. Special thanks to Alex Degman, Kate Cahan, Alexander Solomon, and Dave Niska. Original music by Q-Shop. Q-Shop. 